Good afternoon, Lafayette. It's Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, hour number four of radio today. If y'all were listening while I was filling in for Moon Grafon, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Enjoy filling in for Moon. It's very hard to, uh, you got to do a lot of aerobics. You got to do a lot of cardio. Uh, you've got to get your wind up because it takes a lot of lung capacity to be Moon Grafon. But I'm glad that he asked. I uh, hope he enjoyed his day off. He'll be back on Monday. I'm back here for my show. Plenty more to talk about. And I want to start with a story I didn't get to yesterday, but I think is a pretty interesting story. Top Republican donors are now looking at Tim Scott. They're not happy with the apparent stagnation that Ron DeSantis has shown, and they're looking for an alternative, and they seem to like Tim Scott. Now, this report came out. Tim Scott was actually asked about it. Tucker Carlson uh, was interviewing a lot of presidential hopefuls on the Republican side, and he asked Tim Scott about it. Here's what Tim Scott said. That's the place I look for my support. If you play for an audience of one, it doesn't matter who makes the contributions. And frankly, I don't know those donors that you're talking about who are flocking to my campaign. I'm looking forward to them coming. <laughs> I really am. I look forward to it. I, I've heard the stories myself, but what I, ha- I, what I haven't seen is the millions and millions that you're talking about. But well, I will, and I, I, I will accept mean, how your. Do I know. I will accept your check too, by the way. So <laughs> thank you very much, Tucker. For- I, I, I do. I like Tim Scott. Tim Scott is such a. Uh, he, he's a very refreshing. Uh, voice in the race. He he is somebody who is a lot more hopeful in the way he talks. He is somebody who very much believes passionately in the American dream. It is something that his family has uh, has been able to achieve is the American dream. Uh, he is a descendant of slaves on both sides of his family. Uh, his grandfather, I think it was his grandfather, great-grandfather, was a sharecropper in South Carolina. Uh, he grew up in the heart of the Confederacy, overcame a lot, and is now the first black U.S. senator from South Carolina, one of the very few who uh, has been as successful in the Senate as he has. And he offers something unique, and I think that's something that really uh, we really do need to pay attention to. And the fact that Tim Scott is getting a look reportedly from the insiders. Now, he jokes and says he hasn't seen anything, but there is movement behind the scenes where Tim Scott really is getting the second look. It's not just from the donors. It's from the talking heads. Now, a lot of the folks out there, just bear with me a second because I'm going to say something that's kind of controversial, and I need you to understand why I'm saying it. I've mentioned it before, and it bothers me A lot. There are a number of talking heads on the right who are audience chasers. Where the audience goes, they go. And so they're constantly chasing an audience. And a lot of them have frankly been doing it since the Tea Party movement. To be very honest with you, since 2009 or so, when the Tea Party movement, 2009, 2010, really got underway, a lot of conservative talking heads, a lot of conservative hosts, pundits, whatever you want to call them, they all started chasing their audience. They they were all 100% Team Republican all the way, and then Team Republican started cracking up. Okay? 
Team Republicans started cracking up, and then there was the conservatives and the establishment. Now, those of you who had listened to Rush Limbaugh knew that there was an establishment before the Tea Party movement, but the Tea Party movement was the first grassroots campaign that really exposed the establishment for what it was. And a lot of radio hosts out there, Rush was not among them. Rush, Rush was somebody who laid the groundwork for his audience. He, Rush Limbaugh attracted an audience. Say what you will about Rush. And I know there are a lot of people out there, most of you listening were huge Rush fans. I was a Rush fan. Rush, what Rush did for talk radio, I wouldn't be able to be here if not for what Rush Limbaugh did for talk radio. Let's just be honest. But Rush attracted an audience. There are people out there who chase their audience. They see where the audience is going. They see what's popular among conservatives. They chase after it. They, they don't come up with the talking points. They're the ones who use the battle-tested talking points to try to bring people back into the fold. And it's not a very successful model. If, if you were listening to Russian... I'm not, if you were listening to Moon Show this morning when I was filling in, one of the things that I talked about was the fact that there are a lot of people out there who say words but don't do anything. They have words but no actions. Faith without deeds, if you want to get biblical. There are surprisingly few people out there who are taking their words and using their actions to fight the good fight. There are plenty of people who are out there chasing their audience and saying whatever needs to be said to keep that audience attracted to them. For all the controversy when it comes to the neocons versus the regular conservatives and what Tucker Carlson has said about Russia, Tucker Carlson has attracted an audience. Rush attracted an audience. Dan Bongino attracts an audience. Moon Grafon attracts an audience. By God, I hope I'm attracting an audience because I'm sure as hell not trying to chase anybody. But there are people out there who chase their audience. They're chasing the talking points. They, 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 they're, they're chasing, they're riding the coattails of a movement or a politician or a particular sentiment, and it doesn't feel authentic. And voters can tell when it's not authentic. Right now, there are folks out there who like the authenticity of Tim Scott. There are folks out there who like the authenticity of Ron DeSantis. It may surprise you to know that there are a lot of people out there, more than you would think, who like the authenticity of Mike Pence. Chris Christie, you can tell, is on the campaign solely to hurt Donald Trump. That is his focus. Nikki Haley, it's hard to tell where Nikki Haley stands right now. Nikki Haley does not feel very authentic right now. She is chasing a lot of talking points. Vivek Ramaswamy feels a little inauthentic right now. You're not really sure. I mean, you, you understand where he is. He's against the wokeness. He's a, he's a pro-tech guy. But he, he comes out praising Donald Trump a lot. 
it feels like he's trying to ride the Trump coattails and pick up the stragglers. He's not offering something unique right now. And when we had all of these people jumping into the race, originally what I told you was the American people are looking for something unique. They're looking for a unique perspective. And Nikki Haley, as the daughter of immigrants, certainly has the potential for that. But, but she's coming off not as authentic right now. Chris Christie is somebody who is a battle-tested red meat thrower. You, it doesn't matter whether he's authentic to you or not. He's going to throw punches. That's his shtick. Vivek Ramaswamy, hard to tell. Tim Scott, though, you know he is an authentic voice. He's offering something different. And so now top donors in the Republican Party are looking at Tim Scott rather than Ron DeSantis. I would also warn anybody, though, by noting that rumors of Ron DeSantis' death have been greatly exaggerated. Ron DeSantis isn't done. His campaign is still laying a lot of groundwork. This is still a very new thing, by the way. This campaign is still very new. We're a little under half a year away from the caucuses and the debates. There's still time to lay that groundwork. There's still time for a lot of things to happen. But the problem for Ron DeSantis is the same thing I've been telling y'all now for a couple days. There needs to be a Republican who looks at the Americans sitting around their kitchen table who are worried about their bank accounts. They're worried about the crime rate. They're worried about the fentanyl crisis. They're worried about things a lot closer to home than the culture war stuff. Some of the culture war stuff is close to home for some of them. Don't get me wrong. But here in, say, South Louisiana... The woke stuff in schools isn't happening nearly as much as people who are or their children are leaving the state because there are no opportunities here. Across the flyover portion of the country, you have that a lot. People are unsure about their immediate future, much less winning ideological battles in the public education classrooms or over sports or anything like that. Close to home... They or somebody they know is the victim of a crime that didn't need to happen. They or someone they know has been affected by the, the, by the fentanyl crisis. They or someone they know is having to move out of their house and rent an apartment because things are too tight right now. They're having to move away and it's hard to find somewhere to move to when there's little inventory in the housing market. Rent is up 8%. And people are unsure. And there needs to be a candidate out there speaking to that. And I get the sense that Tim Scott might be the first one to pivot to that. We'll see. But he's playing up the American dream a lot. That might be where he's going. That might be why donors are starting to look at him a little more favorably. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Let's take this break. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL.
Hey, this is Joe Cunningham, and you're listening to the podcast version of my daily radio show. Now, if you want to listen live, all you need to do is download the KPL News app to your phone. You can listen live every weekday from 3 to 4 p.m. and communicate with the show using the app's chat feature. So go over to your app store, download the KPL News app, and listen to my show every day from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat, either which way. Love to talk with y'all. Love talking with the folks who called in the Moon Show this morning as well. It's always fun to get to interact with y'all. I told y'all before, I like to treat this show as a conversation where it's me and you. And if you want to take part in the conversation, absolutely. So feel free. Here's the thing about Tim Scott. To be honest with y'all, if I could have my way, Tim Scott would probably be the nominee. I'd, I I think he's the more hopeful candidate. I, I, I want something hopeful, but I want somebody who also is knowledgeable. I mean, he's been... He's he's been a part of some major negotiations on bills, on issues that really need to be the focus of the U.S. government going forward. However, I also know that because he's not combative, because he's not a populist, in fact, with that Tucker Carlson interview he did, he did come off as a war hawk, particularly on the Ukraine and Russia issue. And that's just not something the base is kind of comfortable with, especially after years of the forever war in Afghanistan and Iraq. But I like Tim Scott. I would love to see him on a ticket, whether he's the presidential nominee or the vice presidential candidate. I would love to see him on a ticket. I, I think he would he he would be absolutely one of the right people to put into the White House. But he. I don't think is the candidate that the base is looking for right now. And he's, he's got to, he's got to find a way to attract the base. Now, like I said, in the first segment of the show, he doesn't need to be somebody who's chasing an audience. He needs to authentically bring the audience to him. I think there's a path for him to do that. One of the things he was very big on in that Tucker Carlson interview one of the big things was a return to Judeo-Christian norms. I think there is a yearning for that among a lot of the Republican base because a lot of the secularism that we, or a lot of the progressivism that we see is based on a very strong secularism and that whether people are looking for Judeo-Christian or not, those norms are what they're looking for. Not necessarily something super religious, but the norms and moralities and ethics of that Judeo-Christian ideology. That's what a lot of people are looking for. And so he's really pushing for that, and I think there's the potential there for him to win that. But is that going to be enough? If he's not combative enough, if he's not a populist enough, I just don't see him getting there. But if he's going to get a lot more money and a lot more support, who knows? All right, we're going to take our bottom of the hour news break. Of course, we've got Fox Business. We've got the Commodity Report. All of that and more coming up here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
you know, in case you miss any show, you can always go back and listen. They aren't lost forever once you listen to them. But I do have a request. If you guys listen to The Joe Cunningham Show and you like what you're listening to, go to your podcast app, wherever you're listening to this from, and give the podcast a rating and a review. That helps get the podcast out in front of more eyes so that we can help the show grow. Thanks again for listening to The Joe Cunningham Show right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to call on this delightful Friday afternoon. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. Either which way, you're welcome to take part in the conversation. Now, yes, Virginia, there is a veto session. It is happening next week. Legisl- there were not enough legislators to uh, to turn in a slip saying, no, we don't want it. So we are going to have a veto session at the top of the agenda. It sounds like is the, uh, the pediatric sex change bill. And there are a host of vetoes that conservatives are not happy with. That's probably the one that would galvanize the most because that, that issue does not poll well at all. And that is a pretty interesting a uh, little tidbit, and I think that's what's driving most of this. Now, there are, again, a lot of them that uh, – a lot of issues that Republicans would want to address. They may not have the votes for all of them. They might not have the votes for any of them. Again, I don't underestimate this legislature's ability to screw this up. But I think it's interesting to note just how much Louisiana citizens are really dissatisfied. Uh, as Scott McKay points out at the Hayride this morning – uh, there is a poll from citizen uh, from from uh, citizens for a new Louisiana that shows a majority of Louisiana residents are not happy with this legislative session that just ended, and they want something to be done about it. So we'll see on that. This also plays into another little tidbit that came out yesterday. There's yet another poll out there that shows that the gubernatorial race is very likely to come down to Jeff Landry. And Sean Wilson, we kind of expected this. The numbers haven't really shifted all that much. But again, citizens for a new Louisiana and a poll commission or, or, or they commissioned the poll. The pollsters, New Orleans, Greg Rigamer, which uh, and the results are fairly interesting. Jeff Landry continues to dominate the field, receiving 30 percent of support from those surveyed with Democrat Sean Wilson coming in second place with 28 percent. All other gubernatorial candidates polled in single digits. 70% of those surveyed believe the state legislature was irresponsible in the preparation and passing of the state budget. Only 10% felt that they acted responsibly. What's more, 55% think the state is heading in the wrong direction compared to 24% who think it's headed in the right direction. This is a pretty standard survey question that you see in most surveys, but these results are as negative as I've seen in any survey of Louisiana voters, according to pollster Bernie Pinsonette. By a 55 to 24 margin, voters think the state is on the wrong track. By a 69 to 10 margin, they think the legislature was irresponsible. Asked to rate Louisiana's performance as either excellent, very good, fair, not good, or a failure, the numbers skewed horrendously to the negative with just 1% saying excellent, 9% saying very good, 40% rating it as fair, 26% saying not good, and 21% calling it a failure. 
the horse race numbers in general. Landry had 30%, Wilson had 28%. Schroeder is actually ahead of Waggispack in this one, which is interesting. Schroeder's got 6%, Hunter Lundy at 5%, Waggispack at 5%, Hewitt at 4%, Nelson at 1%. Now, while all that's going on, I did see this headline a little while ago. Let me see if I can find it again. Uh, where did I see this? Was this? Newsbreak? I can't remember where I saw it. Yes, Newsbreak. Uh, let's see, who who reported on this one? Sharon Hewitt uh, takes a dig at other candidates. I mean, Sharon Hewitt's got to take a dig at other candidates in the race. I mean, that's just what she's got to do. Okay, this is from NOLA.com. Pokes at other candidates as she touts her credentials to be governor. Uh, State Senator Sharon Hewitt, who has yet to crack 10% in recent polls, uh, was the only candidate to poke at any of the other candidates at the Black Church Gubernatorial Forum on July 8th at Southern University. She took a shot at Stephen Waggispack, who served as executive counsel for the and chief of staff to then-Governor Bobby Jindal. Uh, she said, let's see, um... She used her closing statement at the Louisiana Shares Association Forum to take a swipe at her opponents while highlighting her work as an offshore manager for Shell, her volunteer work heading the PTA at her son's school, and eight years in the state Senate. Uh, I'm a doer and action-oriented person. She said, I would ask you to hold all the candidates to that same standard. For those who have been leading the, for those who have been the leading crime fighter in the state, is crime better now than when you took office? What time have you, what have you done to make crime better? This was aimed at Landry. For those of you who are former legislators, what have you done to make your time your what have you done in your legislative time to make the state better? This was aimed at Schroeder, who spent nearly 10 years representing Covington. For the road builder, are our roads better than before? This was aimed at Sean Wilson. If you worked in the previous administration, what did you accomplish that we should build on? This was aimed at Wagaspack. So what what has Sharon Hewitt done? We've been over this before with the with the with the pack that supports Wagaspack launching the the crime ad against Jeff Landry. Fighting crime is not Jeff Landry's job. How is Jeff Landry, as the attorney general, supposed to stop crime? That's the governor's thing. If the governor thinks that crime in a city is bad, he sends in state police to supplement the local police force. John Bill Edwards never did that. Jeff Landry never could. Going after Schroeder, talking about his time in the legislature, what has Sharon Hewitt done in the legislature? Sharon Hewitt is one of the reasons that closed primaries were effectively killed as a legislative idea. Sharon Hewitt hasn't done a thing for the state in the legislature. So for her to come out and say that about John Schroeder is just ridiculous. But that's all she's got. That's all Sharon Hewitt has are these ridiculous attacks that really have nothing to do with the actual jobs. If you want to attack John Schroeder, talk about the state's finance. What has John Schroeder brought to the table as an effort to try to fix Louisiana's financial problems? You could ask that question, and then, of course, you could flip that around and say, okay, what has the legislature given Schroeder to work with? 
which means what has Sharon Hewitt given John Schroeder to work with as, as treasurer? These are just stupid, pointless attacks, though. That's all she has. She doesn't have a platform to stand on. I'm still not sure entirely what Wagaspak is standing on as his platform other than being pro-business. And sure, while Lobby has a lot of connections into the business community around the state, he's still very much a Baton Rouge-centric figure. Outside of Baton Rouge, there's not really a whole lot of name recognition for Wagaspak, and there's not really going to be. He's fairly he's a fairly unknown entity around the state. Jeff Landry is because not only was he a statewide elected official, but he has been very upfront and very public and in front of cameras and making these arguments day in and day out that that Louisiana voters do resonate with. Sean Wilson's the only Democrat in the race. The race, of course, he's going to get nearly a third of the vote because that's roughly that's roughly the uh, the voting strength of the Democratic bloc in the state of Louisiana. The only way a Democrat wins the governor's race is if the Republicans screw this up for a third race in a row. I would like to know what Sharon Hewitt's ideas are. I would like to know what Sharon Hewitt is actually going to do. I would also like to know what Jeff Landry is going to do and Wag is back and Schroeder. I want to know what they're going to do about these issues I've been talking about all this week in terms of the things that make us sit around the kitchen table and worry. How is Jeff Landry going to push for a better business climate in Louisiana? How is Stephen Wagaspak going to push for a better business climate in Louisiana? How are either of them going to get government out of the way so there can be an economic recovery? Are either of them going to undo the disastrous policies of John Bell Edwards and a legislature that claims to be Republican but is no such damn thing? Sharon Hewitt can only take swipes at other candidates. Wagaspak can only take swipes at Jeff Landry because they don't really have much to go on. But Landry does need to watch out. Landry needs some some substance beyond the crime and beyond the woke culture war stuff. He needs to sit there and talk about those issues. His campaign started off with it. His campaign started off with, I'm not running for governor. We're running for governor. He talks about himself representing All of Louisiana, he needs to go out and find what all of Louisiana is really interested in right now, because while the red meat stuff is great for Republican voters, what about the people who are not as super conservative but are still Republican or even people who are center left in terms of ideology but care about some of those issues? And I go back to something I have said for years that people I really wish would start paying attention to. Which gubernatorial candidate is going to be out there fighting for school choice? Which one is going to be out there offering low-income students, students in urban areas that are trapped in schools that are not great, what gubernatorial candidate is going to push for policies to get those kids out of failing schools and into schools where they can achieve success? Landry wrote a column. It was at the Hayride, I think, yesterday or today, about the Board of Elementary and Secondary Education and their plans regarding LEAP and how they're lifting some of the LEAP requirements for lower-performing students, and how and he wrote about how that's a bad idea, which is partly true, but at the same time, how is how what what gov what gubernatorial candidate is going to come forward and offer a plan for education that focuses on rewarding achievement and pushing students to do better, better rather than having them meet just a baseline? 
201, all of these issues are ones that parents care about way more than some of the other stuff. They do care about crime. But the woke stuff is not as big a worry in Louisiana for a lot of parents as the crime, as the economic stuff, and as education. What about infrastructure? Sean Wilson should be out there talking about infrastructure. I don't know that he's got a platform to stand on. Probably because the platform he tries to build over one of our roads is going to collapse. Which candidate is going to talk about those issues? They, they, there really needs to be some substance at some point. We really and truly need to find some substance that people can run on and campaign on. Right now, yes, it is a race between Jeff Landry and Sean Wilson. Nobody else is coming close. And yes, if you ask me right now, if the election was held today, Jeff Landry wins. But there are a lot of people out there who have lost faith in our state government because our faith, our, our state government hasn't done anything of note that has been beneficial to the, to the people of the state. And you're not going to find a high turnout in the election, if everybody is too depressed to go out and vote, you need to offer some hope. That's what I hope they do. I hope somebody will bring hope to the table. I want Jeff Landry to bring hope to the table. I want John Schroeder to bring hope to the table. We'll see if it happens. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, we'll take this final break of the day, come back to wrap up the show and wrap up the week. It's been a great week. Hope you guys will join me for the last segment of it here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. If you're looking for more great conservative content throughout the day, why don't you head on over to my site, redstate.com. I'm a senior editor over there, and I work with a lot of great conservatives, putting out a lot of great news and opinion each and every day. Plus, if you use my name, Joe, as the promo code, you can subscribe with a discount to our VIP section where you'll get a ton more great content that you won't find anywhere else. Check out redstate.com today. Sorry about that. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. Cape, a bit of a computer glitch there. Anyway, here to wrap up the show for you. Chris in New Iberia reaches out over the app, uh, asks a very good question. Is there any way possible to get some of the Republican candidates to drop out so Landry does not have to go to a runoff. The numbers say they do not have a chance to win. If we were dealing with rational people, probably so, Chris. But we're dealing with people we're we're dealing with two very dangerous things right now. The first thing we're dealing with is a series of egos. Only an ego like Sharon Hewitt's would lead her to think she's got a snowball's chance in South Louisiana July of being able to navigate her way to a first or second place in this race. There is really no voting base for Sharon Hewitt. The only base is a group of people who don't want Jeff Landry and have no idea who any of the other candidates or what any of the other candidates would do for him. So they hold their nose, and they roll the dice, and they pick whatever it lands on. How do you tell? A, I mean, Richard, Richard Nelson's got like 1% in the polls. He's not really drawing votes off of, off of Landry. 
Sharon Hewitt, John Schroeder, uh, Waggis Pack, Hunter Lundy. They're all drawing. I mean, Hunter Lundy is running as an independent, which means he wants to be a Democrat, but he's also terrified that people will fi- figure out he's a Democrat. But, I mean, uh, you've got Schroeder at 6%, Waggis Pack at 5%, Hewitt at 5%. That's 16% right there. You add that 16% to Jeff Landry, you've got 46%. So still not quite 50% plus one. I don't think 5% of the voters give Sharon Hewitt their votes on election day. Just don't. But you're dealing with egos. You're also dealing, and this is particularly true for Wagaspak's case, you're also dealing with grifter political consultants. They don't actually care if their candidate wins. They want to get that commission. They want to get that money out of the candidate from the pack, from the candidates, whatever. So you're dealing with greedy grifters and you're dealing with very large egos, both of which are dangerous, especially when it comes to Republican politics in the state of Louisiana, because they constantly get in the way. The numbers right now suggest if they all dropped out, Landry is still probably, he's closer. He's closer. Don't get me wrong. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, let's go back to, let's see, uh, 30% for Landry, 28% for for Wilson. That's 58% right now. Then you've got the 16% from those other three candidates. Uh, So that's 74. So you're still looking at about one out of five voters is undecided, roughly. Who's going to help them decide? Or are they, are they just going to uh, are they just going to, to stay home? And how does that affect the vote too? We'll see going forward. But egos and grifters, that's always the problem in politics. That's why you have so many more candidates that have no business running who are running. All right, that's it for me for the week. You guys have a fantastic weekend. Stay, uh, try to stay cool and hydrated on Saturday. Try to stay out of the rain and slick roads on Sunday. If we do have rain, visit the area. It's in the forecast. But most importantly, you guys just say, stay safe in general. Once you back here with me on Monday. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at redstate.com. The podcast version of the show can be found, Joe Cunningham Show.substack.com. Today's episode going up there shortly. And pay attention because Shannon is offsides and he is next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Y'all have a fantastic weekend. Talk to you again soon.